listening to First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Put your hands together one more time and give God a hand clap of praise here today. I bless you all. I feel love and affection in my heart today for all of you. If any of you need uh, special affection, um, just come on Sunday and just give me that pitiful look, you know, that I need a hug look and I will hook you right up. I love you all. I want the blessings of God upon you. God has given us and included us in a great work. Can I have an amen? The work is not about us. The work is not even our efforts. The work is the goal of influencing this city toward the kingdom of God. That is the goal. Our best life is not maximizing our finances. Our best life is not maximizing our pursuit of the things of this life. Our best life is pursuing the kingdom of God. It's easy to forget that. I mean, I love you and all, but it's easy to forget that. It's easy for me to forget that, that my best life is in some way maximizing this rather than pursuing the kingdom of God. We are set in a, 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 met, a metropolitan area, uh, nearly two million people. Now, most of those are outside of easy, easy driving distance from us, but we can focus on the people we are near and we can focus by the people near our church and the people who have open hearts uh, for the uh, really a, a spiritual life, to live a certain kind of life. Uh, that's one of the things that um, I was talking to Pastor Don before church, that he, he was talking about how work in the yard so so many people uh, from living right around here stop by and they're able to uh, get to know people right around the church. And I was like, that is so, that is what we're trying to do, trying to live our best life, which is, remember, not maximizing finances or fame, but is pursuing the kingdom of God. And can some believers say amen? Amen. Uh, I want to encourage anyone who has not been to First Steps, if you want to stop by the party after the 11 o'clock service, please do. You'll get to know uh, the team and uh, the teachers, and it'll give us a chance to get to know you. So it's not just for people who've gone through it. Anybody who has been in the church for just a re- you know not too long, a year or so or something like that, uh, or anybody considering going through the First Steps experience, you are welcome in that event. I'm in Mark chapter number nine. We're going to read starting at verse number 14. And this is this image in the scripture where the disciples fell in an attempt to have spiritual authority. They fail. Somebody say fail. I'm not trying to discourage you. I am trying to give you hope here today. But if I preach a message that pretends like you and I never fail, then I will not have done a very good job of giving you hope. I need to talk about where the tire meets the asphalt. You see what I'm saying? I need to talk about how we want things in our world that we are unable to produce by the effort of our will or the energy of our hand. We need a God moment. Right now, somebody lift your hands to heaven and tell the Lord simply this, I need a God moment in my life. 
I can't do it. If I could do it, it would already be done, Lord Jesus. I don't have the solution. It would already be fixed. I'm standing here in this house because I need a God moment in my life. I need you to do what I cannot do. I need you to go where I cannot go. I need you to fight the battle that is bigger than me. I'm glad to be included, but unless you do it, oh God. In Jesus' name. All right, Mark 9, verse number 14. And when they came to the disciples, this is Jesus and the three disciples, uh, the inner disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. He asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered him and said, teacher, I brought my son to you. Uh, he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. I want to, first of all, remind all of you that there is uh, quite a large difference between any of us and Jesus Christ. Um, somebody needs to say thank you for that. <laughs> I want to take some pressure off of you here today. Uh, there's quite a large difference between you and Jesus. I'm going to need a better amen than that. <laughs> And just because I fell doesn't mean the kingdom of God has failed. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just got 50 pounds lighter, you know. I know what some of you are thinking in the skinny department. You know, you're thinking you need to get 50 pounds lighter, but no comment from the skinny department. What I'm saying there. <laughs> I'm going to take a great big load off of everybody. And I want to say there's a big difference in you and Jesus. And so... <laughs> I don't know why that blesses me so much this morning. Maybe I need that in my spirit. I've done my best, and my best didn't move the needle, but there's a big difference between me and Jesus. Come on. <laughs> I sing my best, but there's a big difference in me and Jesus. <laughs> I preached my best, but there's a big difference between me <laughs> and Jesus. <laughs> And so the first lesson is when I can't do it, I might need to call on Jesus. <laughs> Elbow your neighbor, say, that might have been for you. Just hear, hear, that might have been for you. When you don't have an answer, it might be time to call on Jesus. Because even carnal folk know there's something different when Jesus joins the room. Even those who follow from afar know there's something different. <laughs> when Jesus joins the, 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 the gathering. And so uh, the teacher uh, has this statement that uh, goes like this. I was looking for you, so I came here, and what I found instead of you was the church. <laughs> I, I came looking for you, but what I was found with was the church, and uh, the church didn't help me. <laughs> I was disappointed in your disciples. I want to say to everybody... Not just in this moment, but to anybody who is watching uh, online or listening. Uh, sometimes we put the 9 a.m. on the podcast in case I ever say anything crazy and you're mad that it's not recorded for posterity. Uh, it, it, it's usually on the podcast. So <laughs> here, well, that's, that's what we're aiming for anyway. I don't know how it falls out with tech challenges and the like. 
But here you have this, this reality of uh, bringing your child to look for Jesus. And what you found uh, was the disciples. And there is a reality that sometimes the church is a hindrance to the seeker, even while it is a reassurance to the believer. Let me say that again, because you need to think about that. In many cases, the church can be a hindrance uh, to the seeker. At the same time, it is a reassurance uh, to uh, the believer. Many of us have been serving God for many, many years, and our formative experiences are knit together, are somehow threaded together by life, by tears. Can I have an amen? Amen. By the story of what we overcame to all the memories of the body of Christ and all of our memories of things we have gone through. Uh, we, all of us, <clears throat> have formative church experiences, and there are songs that even today, that when I hear those songs, I don't know if it's the Holy Ghost or it's the sentimental memories of all that God has brought me through, but I moved in my spirit. The reason why I say I don't know if it's the Holy Ghost, because I can be as carnal as some of you. That's a joke, just moving along. I can be as carnal as I can be, have it prayed in weeks, but when they play my song, I'm like, mm, that's my song. You understand what I'm saying? You see, I, I, am, I am a person in time, and I am formed by experiences. And so a lot of times church ends up doing things that ultimately, if the church didn't do it, then the saved people would be mad. And we begin to worship the thing and not the one who told us to look to the thing. You see, that's some Old Testament theology I just threw in there for you. There's an image given to the children of Israel uh, that they look to it, and there's a time when it serves as spiritual symbol. But the generation changes, and it turns into spiritual reassurance. It becomes an idol of itself. And they begin to worship the idol and not the one who said, this symbol is teaching you theology. Do you see? Uh, Sometimes church folks can get very, very comfortable doing what reassures us. Because let's be honest, the world can be a painful place for us to live. We live in some crazy times. We live in some crazy times. I do my best not to be political and not even to touch the political hot buttons. Why do I do that? Because people matter more than politics. Things drive me crazy too, but I, you notice I don't get on them in the pulpit because people matter more than politics. There's tremendous examples of this in the scripture where, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, think of the apostles who saw the fall of Jerusalem. They loved Jerusalem. Their spiritual memories were tied up in Jerusalem, and the Roman Empire destroyed Jerusalem. How many times do they mention it in the epistles written after the destruction of Jerusalem? I have an answer for you. Not one once. Now, did they have opinions about it? I'm sure they did. Were they supporting the Roman Empire? I'm sure they were not. Were they Jewish born bred and when they die be Jewish dead? Yes, I'm sure they were. How many times did they mention it? Not once. Why? Because people matter more than politics. But I don't want you to think that things don't bother me too. I'm human too. When I look at some event of women's sports and I find out that the world record was broken multiple by some huge margin, come find out it wasn't a woman competing in that race. It was a a guy who, uh, I have opinions about this. I'm not being ugly. But I can't turn it into a 
old preacher hobby horse. I know it'll reassure saved people, but a lot of the people who come seeking are already fighting a culture that tells them Christian people are filled with hate. And if I trigger that cultural hot button in them, that which reassured all you makes their approach to Calvary all the harder. I came seeking Jesus, but what I found was all you suckers. So let me do a real quick survey since it's my 9 a.m. service. I don't use notes in my 9 a.m. service. I have them, but I don't use them. It's awesome. I love it. It's called Freedom in Jesus, my Savior forever. Um, How many of you have endured church hurt and had to choose to get over it or you would have quit church? Raise your hand. That's more than two. Um, church hurt is a thing, and you can be wounded in the house of your friends. In fact, the one you father you follow was killed in the house of his friends. Um, so, church can be a difficulty, particularly for seekers. Now, let me just talk about this. As you grow in spiritual maturity, you begin to understand that the imperfections of the church are part of the testimony that you have been transformed by the grace of God, that you can accept imperfect people. Yes. You can see the good of God's chosen. You can, you can see people. They're not all good. They're not all bad. But I choose to see the good of them. That becomes part of the New Testament example of testimony to the world that we have love one for another. That becomes part of the middle wall of partition that Jesus removed. Quick reminder, the middle wall of partition is not about sin. It's not about the veil of the temple being rent and the holy being having access to the unholy. It's about the divisions between people, the middle wall of partition. Men are separated from women. Women are separated from Gentiles. The middle walls of perdition have been removed by who? By the work, the sacrificial, redemptive work of Jesus Christ. In, 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 in ancient Israel, the first prayer a Jewish man prayed every morning was, number one, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. That was the first prayer they prayed. I prayed, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. What was the second prayer they prayed? I thank you that I'm not a woman. Every morning, Jewish men prayed this prayer. Some of them still do if they're Orthodox. I thank you that I'm not a woman. Now, I would like to say as a man, I'm glad not to be a woman. I have no desire to be a a woman. Women. Is that risky? Oh, I got some support right here on the front row. I got these two pretty girls down there like, don't, 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 don't. mm, Uh, You understand what I'm saying? And so this middle wall of perdition is a false labeling system of value. You have more value than you, and you have more value than you, and I have more value than you, and you have more value. This is a deception of the flesh that hell plays on to make sure there is no Christian, real Christ community created. Because in a real 
Christ community, you know what you end up with? You end up with the holiness of God having access to the brokenness of humanity. And you end up with the holiness of God destroying the false delusions of who's better than who. That's real community created by the cross. Can I have a big amen? Oh, Lord, help us to build that in our lives. Help us to live it. Help us to demonstrate it in our own lives. This father brings his son, if you'll allow me to say it this way. He brings his son to church, but it doesn't work for his son. Uh, they, they didn't have the right song on that Sunday. They, they didn't have the right sermon on that Sunday. And uh, he notices it. And um, he is uh, right there willing. He's right there willing to blame. He's right there willing to point out the failure of the church. The question is, does Jesus side with him or does Jesus challenge him? That's the, that's the issue that is at hand here. Do I get to blame the church for what is going on in my life? Do I get to blame the church for the fact that I came needing a miracle and I didn't get a miracle? Can I blame the preacher? Can I blame the worship team? Can I even blame the sound man? Well, I want you to know of everyone mentioned, the sound man is the most often blamed, so you might as well blame him too. Everybody else is blaming the sound man. That's funny if you've ever ran sound in a church. It's too loud. I can't hear. It's too loud. The only thing second to that is who controls the thermostats. But enough about men's ministry and women's ministry. <laughs> and so I brought my child to you, but they, they, didn't, they didn't do it. Jesus can acknowledge the lack of faith but he's not going to let the man live in a culture of blaming. Yeah. I want to show this to you in the scripture. The Lord can see the truth about how the church needs revival while also see the truth about how the father needs to have faith. Watch what he says to them. Uh, first of all, how long has he been like this? The answer is from childhood. It tries to destroy him. Uh, have compassion, help us. And Jesus says to who? To the Father. He does not say it to the disciples. He does not say it to the praise team. He does not say it to the preacher that Sunday. He doesn't say it to the sound man. He says it to the Father. Who needs to have faith? The Father needs to have faith. Now, here is something you need to remind yourself. Get out of the habit of blaming the church for your lack of faith. That's some fine preaching. I want you to take your time. I want you to take your time and speak your heart. All right. I'm going to take my time and speak my heart. Get out of the business of blaming the preacher for your lack of faith. Get out of the business of, praising, of, of blaming the praise man for your lack of faith. I hear what you said, Jesus said. I acknowledge that this whole generation struggles with faith. I just want to say it's not the only generation struggling with faith. But now Jesus says, let's talk. Let's talk not about the generation. 
Let's talk not about who was speaking while I was on the mountaintop. Let's talk not about the songs chosen for the praise set. Let's talk about this. If you can believe, all things are possible for the one who believes. All things are possible for the one who believes. If you, somebody say you. If you, if you, if you can believe, all things are possible. Ultimately, your faith was not dependent upon everyone else. Your faith was what you carried in your spirit and in your soul. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, and I love the transition he makes at a moment of correction. Most of us don't handle correction well. We first get our feelings hurt in correction. We do not learn the lesson of correction. What we do is celebrate the, de- the, the emotional, how shall we say, pain of it, and how dare you, and I can't believe you, and yeah, I deserve it, but I'm not going to take it. I didn't expect you to say amen while I said that because I've noticed that it's really hard uh, to be operated on and compliment the surgeon at the same time. Normally, you're cussing the surgeon and asking for more of whatever good stuff they've got, and you folks know what I'm talking about, so don't act like you don't. Here is the reality. How fast can you transition from correction to the lesson that's being taught? Or do you have to go through three days of celebrating the fact that your mama loved you? And your mama wouldn't talk to you like that. And your mama thought you were the most special little boy in the whole wide world. And to to her, you were. But she's the only one. Everybody else expects you to show up on time. Am I being ugly today? I don't mean to be ugly. I love you. Everybody else expects you to carry your weight. Everybody else expects you to show up and know what you're supposed to know. Mm. Uh, Y'all going to have to pray for the preacher today. And so Jesus gives the man a lesson and the man moves quickly from lesson to application. He doesn't go through seven days of, I can't believe Jesus talked to me like that. I'll just give him another faith healer. He moves straight to lesson. If you want something bad enough, you don't have time to suck your thumb. When we are corrected by the Holy Ghost and we have to spend days sucking our thumb, it says more about our ego than it does about our passion to advance the kingdom of God. Because if we really care about what we say we care about, then what we desire is not the elevation of self. What we desire is to be a part of the kingdom of God and the calling of the kingdom of God in our life. Somebody say yes. Now put your hands together and give God a hand clap of praise in this house. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to be a part of moving your kingdom forward. The man moves quickly. He moves quickly from correction to application. And he says this, and I love it. I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, you know what that's saying? That's saying, I'm hungry, but I'm not hungry. <laughs> that's saying, I'm happy, but I'm not happy. It's, it's talking just like a human man. <laughs> I'm a mess down here. I know none of you would admit that. But this is saying, I, I, I want to believe, but I don't know if this is something I'm doing good at or not good at. So this is what I want to say. I, I believe, help my unbelief. 
So I, I want to I want to uh, talk about this for a little bit, uh, and I want to acknowledge the fact that uh, un, uh, you cannot command yourself to believe. Just in case you have fallen into some of the um, teaching that is I have heard that I think is um, more frustration inducing than it is spiritually instructive. There is some schools of thought that they they teach that you can command yourself to believe. And I want to say um, to uh, them, there's not there's not biblical examples that are illustrative in this manner uh, where you can will yourself to believe. So I may surprise some of you when I say this, uh, but it is important and I believe it is fundamental to becoming an individual of great faith. You cannot will yourself to believe more. Faith is not an act of will. The Bible teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith, watch, is not something I can increase just because I will it. It's not how I hold my mouth. I've seen so many frustrated people who need a miracle and they cast and wrestle in their life. They cast and wrestle. I've heard parents say distressing things against God because they were willing it as much as they could. Every fiber of their will was trying to will God into doing something. But here is a instructive consideration. Uh, God has his own will. Somebody say it with me. God has his own will. And part of being a follower is submitting I don't know if y'all want to preach with me here today. Uh, I think maybe it's too rainy outside and you needed an extra cup of coffee. Uh, I'm telling you, following God is not God following my will. Following God is my will submitting to... Nobody's excited about that here this morning. I expected, I expected Brother Anthony to break a plant, but he's just sitting there looking at me like I'm too tired this morning. I expected at least uh, Sister Venice to come down here and get excited and, and look at her husband like it's time for you to get excited. And if you notice, he's very obedient. When she gets excited, he gets excited too. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I love these guys. Aren't we rich at First Church to have the Dixon family as part of First Church? We are rich to have them. And so, if I could will it, then God could serve me. But that's not how it works. I can't will my faith higher. God is not a test case for will. He's doing what he has ordained from the beginning, and he's invited to be, me to be a part of it. So if I cannot, watch, going somewhere, I'm almost done, so give me five more minutes. If I, bless you, my sister, if I cannot will it, how do I grow faith? 
Well, this is the question that the disciples ask. I don't know if you've ever heard this passage explained this way. Uh, I, I, I have not, and I have thought about it ever since we covered it just a few weeks back on Wednesday night in the Word. Uh, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and this story has set in my spirit since we were on it on a Wednesday night some months back. And the challenge, the challenge of the disciples, uh, they have failed. I know what it feels like to fail. I know you guys haven't, but I know what it feels like to fail. I know what it feels like to drive home on Sunday and feel like the best thing I could do for the kingdom of God is to resign and let someone else try. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to pour myself into somebody and then have them tell me I've never done anything for them. I know what it feels like to pay people's bills for almost a year, and then as soon as I stop paying their bills, they quit church. I know what it feels like to move heaven and earth to take care of a family in a time of loss, and then watch them have the very, the very last time they attend this church is when I bury their family member. I've, I, I, and it's not just me. I've had a very blessed walk. I know pastors who have had much worse experiences. In fact, I've watched my mom and dad. Uh, they're in Greensboro today, so I get to say anything without having to worry about it. <laughs> uh, they, they, I've watched them be, uh, in many ways, misrepresented, not just by people in the church. I've watched them be abused by other ministries. I've watched them be lied about by other pastors. I've watched other pastors malevolently, malevolently plan to hurt them. And when they were busted and there was evidence presented at a national or district level, I should say, the family members of the people who were busted lied to cover up the evidence that was presented of people trying to hurt my dad's ministry. I've watched it happen. Church hurt happens to everybody. There comes a point where you get above sucking your thumb and you say, Lord, if this is as good as it gets, I was honored to have been included in your kingdom. I've seen people that knew because they had asked me point blank leave and tell people that I didn't believe the doctrine. I've had, and I haven't even had as bad experiences as some of my friends have had. And yet, this creeping sense of failure is not the path. I'm going to say the same thing to this side of the church. Your creeping sense of failure is not the path. We are honored to just be included. Yes. Have y'all noticed that when I preach this side of the church, y'all don't say amen? And have y'all noticed when I preach to this side of the church, they don't say amen? I think there's some division here in the church. Uh, we need to do a swap side Sunday and just make everybody swap sides. And uh, that way I can be saved. Almost, uh, all right, almost done here. I, I want to quit. Musicians, you can come. Um, and so uh, here's the, the thing I want you to see. The disciples are, are, are walking. They're following. They are, they're walking away from their failure. They've done their best. They could not cast out the boy. The father wanted to blame them, but the Lord corrected him. And you see his sincere spirit because he prays, I believe, help my unbelief, help I unbelief. He, Jesus does not allow him to blame the disciples, even though there, are, there is fault with the disciples. 
but it's just not all the fault. Every time the church is disappointed to you, I want you to know there was fault in the church, but not all of it. Every time I've disappointed you as a pastor, I had some fault on me, but not all of it. One of the things that marriage counselors do, I haven't done this, but one of these days I'm going to get my nerve up and I'm going to do it to somebody. It goes like this. When uh, spouses are really, really uh, in bad places, um, to talk to them is to hear a nonstop litany of what is wrong with the other person. And what counselors will do, uh, they will take a piece of paper, they'll draw a big circle in it, they'll push it in the middle of the table, and they'll say, I want you to imagine you put all your relationship problems in this circle. And they'll, the whole time the person's going on and on, well, let's put that, okay, I hear you, let's put that in the circle. Everything that's wrong, everything that is ugly, everything that is painful, put it right here in this circle until you have a great big ugly circle right there in the table. And then they hand this person a pencil and they say, would you draw how much of this circle is your fault? Make a pie out of it. And inside the counseling circles, uh, nobody in the history of the world has ever drawn more than 50%. <laughs> Most of the time, it's about 10%. They draw the little piece of the pie. The other person is the problem. That's why I use this theme here today, speaking to the nature of the human condition. It's so easy to say, I blame you. Do the disciples need more faith? Somebody say yes. <clears throat> Does the church need more faith? Yes. Does the church need more prayer? Yes. Does the church need more Jesus? Yes. Everything you want to say bad about us is partially true. We need to do better loving people that we don't like. Yes. We need to do a better job being patient with people who are crazy. Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Yes. We need to do a better job of loving children who choose not to follow in our footsteps of faith. Yes. We need to do a better job of being patient with people going through crazy seasons of their life. Yes. We need to let sinners know in a better way that we love them. Yes. We need to quit making enemies over people who their choice of life scare us. Yes. It's all true. Yes. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. But here's the Lord goes to the Father. You don't get to blame them for everything. Let's talk about you. So they answer from heaven to the pain of earth. Let's talk about you. Yes. Let's talk about you. If you can believe, you would not be depending on the disciples. If you could believe, it wouldn't matter if the church was perfect. If you could believe, it wouldn't matter if Pastor Lisa offended you when she didn't let you uh, speak. See, she's offended me several times, but I'm still here. Just teasing. We're blessed to have. I'm just feeling thankful for my staff here today. We are so blessed to have Jeff and Lisa. They're just such amazing people. <clears throat> I know Anthony's like, yet mentioned me yet. <laughs> I'm so thankful for your wife and your children. They are such amazing people. Um, so... <laughs> All right, let's talk about you. If you had enough faith, it wouldn't matter whether or not Pastor Melek sang your song. If you had enough faith, it wouldn't matter if Sister Venice prayed for three people besides you but skipped over you. She's been skipping over me for years. You see what I'm saying? I'm still here. <laughs> so here's this reality, and let me end with this. The disciples 
are walking away from the scene of their failure. And they say, Lord, why could we not cast them out? And the Lord said, um, you know the answer. You ready for it? Two things, prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is not about your will. It's about becoming. Uh, some of you will be driving home and they be like, oh, I get it. It's not about wanting it enough. And so here's how most of us do. We sleep in, we sleep in, we skip prayer. <laughs> we don't pray before we go to bed. We miss church because it's a little rainy outside. Blah, 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 blah. And then we have a need. And we wonder why our faith isn't there. Because faith cannot be willed into existence. But let me tell you what will work. You can become a person of great faith if you'll do the work of spiritual becoming. You will seek. You will ask. You will knock. You, you can become a person of great faith. And the Bible teaches you to do this with your faith. Are you ready for this? Exercise your faith. You can't get strong because you want to be strong. But if you'll start lifting things that are heavy, you'll get stronger. Oh, I don't know if y'all are getting this here today. I hope you are. You can't, if I don't go to the gym, it doesn't matter if I want to lift heavy weight. It doesn't matter how much I will it. I know there's various folk tales about mothers lifting cars off of babies who are, um, but um, I, I don't know if you, <clears throat> I just want you to know if you chase those stories down, <laughs> there's a lot more people who've died under crushed cars. <laughs> Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not speaking against mama. I don't want to kill the spirit. Mama can do anything. You see what I'm saying? Uh, but I just want to say, uh, we can't live lives without taking responsibility. If I want to have faith, I need to exercise my faith. If I want to become spiritually... I need to set some prayer time in my life. I need to exercise my faith. I need to pray for things that are close at hand. I need to speak. I need to ask. I need to knock. And the next day, you know what I need to do? I need to speak and ask and knock. Prayer and, fa and fasting is how we become. And if you become... Stand with me all across the house. If I'm preaching to you here today and there's something resonating in your spirit, I'd like to invite you to step out of the chair you're in. I'd like you to come stand across the front. And as you come, I'd like you to lift your hands and say, Lord, help me. I believe. Help my unbelief. Do you have a need in your life? Would you step out right now? Come down to the front and say, I believe. Help my unbelief. Are you facing dilemma in your life? Is there a need in your body? Say it with me all across the church. I believe. Help my unbelief. Come on, say it with me today. I believe. Help my unbelief. 
I can't want it bad enough, but I can become the kind of person who moves in spiritual realms. I can't force it by an act of will, but I could spend time in prayer and fasting. I could exercise my faith. I can't make you jump when I say jump, but I can become the kind of person who knows when you're willing to move heaven and earth. And I can speak the word of faith and speak the word of deliverance and speak the word of anointing. Oh, God. I'm praying today by your power and by your spirit that you would work among us. Lord, every prayer request that we have brought repeatedly over years, I want to pray for the faithful believers who have brought prayer requests over years. I want to say thank you for their faithful testimony among us. Thank you for their faithful importation of heaven in the needs here on earth. And I pray, oh God, that we as people of faith, by seeking the kingdom, I pray that our faith would become stronger day by day as we ask and seek and knock, as we fast and pray and pray and fast and fast and pray and pray and fast, we would become a church that can be a part of the miraculous demonstration of heaven. Oh God, I'm praying today that we as a church would become part of the miraculous demonstration of heaven here on earth. Oh God, I'm praying today. I'm desperate in my spirit. I'm hungry in my heart. I'm longing in my spirit that you would lead your people according to the riches of heaven and the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Now I'd like you to turn around and find someone nearby and take them. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.